Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Good morning. It's good to see everyone out this morning. Thank you all for being here. Thank you all for joining in online. Uh, We are so grateful just to be able to open up the Word of God, to sing His praises, and to worship Him. So grateful for what He has done in and through my life, Uh, and I'm grateful that He's not done. Amen? And one day He will make all things new. Amen? We've been walking through a a series called Abundant Life, and we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 as we dig into God's Word. But I also want to read, before we start, Ephesians 5, verse 14. It says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And it's my heart today, um, as we open up the word of God, that Christ shines on us, and Christ shines through us, and Christ awakens our hearts and stirs the affections of our hearts and renews them. And that we long and we desire and we hunger and we thirst to have more of Christ. So let us pray as we open up the word of God. Father, we are humbled. God, we are thankful and grateful for your word. Lord, as we worship through the reading of your word. Lord, as we worship through the singing of songs and of truth and of hearts of gratitude and thankfulness for how amazing you are, and that we have a hope that surpasses all understanding and a peace and a joy, and we can have life and life abundantly in you. And God, I pray that you would stir and awaken our hearts, Lord, that we would desire and hunger and long and thirst for you like we never had before. Lord, I thank you for the time that we have to gather here. Lord, I pray for the reading of your word, God. I pray that I would decrease and you increase, God, and I would be hidden behind your cross. The only righteousness in me is the righteousness of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that we would see you and seek you, Lord, and serve you because you are worthy and you are good. We thank you for this day, God. We thank you, and we pray that you would bless our time together, and you would redeem it, God, for your glory and for our good. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, so we are in Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. And so you can open up your your Bibles, and I'm going to ask if you will please stand, if you're able, for the reading of God's Word. Reading from the Word of God, Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. You may be seated. And so we've been looking at relationships, and we've been looking at the different dynamics and, and the family makeup um, as we've been looking through this series called Abundant Life. 
And we see that abundant life is in Christ and it is according to his plan and his purposes and his design that we have abundant life. Uh, we looked at John 10, 10, where it says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but that we can have life and life abundantly in Christ. And so we were talking about just the different uh, dynamics and the different family makeup. And we went through husbands and wives and men and women. And now we get to um, go to children, which is a, a, a deep desire and, and, and a passion of mine um, to raise up our children in the way they should go, that we are to disciple and nurture and love them in, in great ways. And so I'm very uh, just excited to be here and to be opening up the word of God with you on this very topic. And so that first word that we need to define is children. So in, in chapter 6, verse 1, we see children. And so who Paul is speaking to is children, but who are children? And so children can be defined as uh, whether young or whether old, but those that are living under and growing up under, uh, independent to their parents, to their mother or their father. So whether they're young or whether they're old, that they are um, children that are dependent on their parents and under the parents' authority and under and in their home. And... Um, we also see in scripture that, that a, a child no longer becomes a child when he leaves mother and father and, he, and the son cleaves, is united as one uh, to their spouse, to their wife. And so we see uh, the transition from childhood into adulthood um, in a beautiful picture of, of marriage as well. And so here we see Paul writing to the church, but specifically talking directly to the children. And he gives them a command that children are to obey your parents. And all the parents said, amen. Yes, obey your parents, right? So there's a call to obey. And that word there to obey is like a compound word in the original language of not just hearing, but doing. This, uh, under, under, this attentive, present active um, verb to not just be there, not just to listen and to hear them, but to actually submit and obey to their authority, to their rule, to their commands. And so we see that children are called to obey who? Their parents. Called to obey your parents in the Lord. Now that phrase, in the Lord, it is modifying not the parents, but is modifying obedience. It's modifying that they are to obey, that children are called to obey in the Lord. Because obedience, as Pastor Jason likes to say, is God's love language. As a child obeys their parents, right, they are understanding how to obey authority. And now children are, are super dependent on their parents, especially at a young age. And it takes them long and quite many years to become independent. But they are very dependent on the parents. And so naturally, this isn't something that just comes naturally. <laughs> they, they don't just start obeying parents. They, don't, they come out of the womb, right, as very selfish individuals, and very dependent and needing their needs met. But they are, are very dependent. And so the obedience that we are teaching, the obedience that they are called to do must be taught to them. The obedience that God is commanding them must be taught. It is taught in the word of God, but more specifically, it is taught as 
parents to the children. And so who are they to obey? They're supposed to obey their mother and father, to heed to their instructions. Why are they to obey? Because it is right. That's what the word of God right there in that verse says, for this is right. This is the right thing to do. Colossians 3.20 says, children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. So not only is it right to obey your parents, children, but it is well-pleasing to the Lord. It pleases the Father when you obey your earthly mother and father, when you are obedient to them. Because there's a bigger picture as we read throughout Scripture, as we see Scripture, that God is doing something greater and bigger as he is choosing to to show himself and to make a people and to make a nation through Abraham and through Isaac and Jacob, that he is teaching a people to stand out in the midst of this world. But not only that, but God desires to give good things to his children. God is a loving and a gracious father. And so as we are obedient to God, as we are obedient to our children, God rewards obedience. And it is in our good interest, it's in the good interest of our children that we teach them to obey. Because ultimately, what do we want them to do? Our desire, my desire, and God's design is for our children to become independent from us and dependent on God. To realize there is a great and a perfect father who is there. And I can have a relationship with him. I can love him and he can love me. We can be close and knit together and intimate and personal. And he is near and he will never leave nor forsake. And so as we teach our children to obey us as parents, ultimately we are teaching them to obey their heavenly father to love their heavenly father. Proverbs 6.20 says, My son, observe the commandment of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. The principle that we see in Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way they should go and even when they are old, he will not abandon it. And there's a warning in Proverbs 30 that says, The eye that mocks a father and scorns a mother The ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. The number one, maybe job of our children as as they grow from a young age is obedience to their parents. To learn obedience and to practice obedience to their parents. It's because obedience to their parents is worship to their God. As we obey our parents, It is worship. And that relationship between parent and child is this beautiful picture that is between God's children and and him as our heavenly father. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel, of a life of surrenderance and dependence on God. A life of, of surrenderance and submission to his authority and a reliance for provision and for life and to be satisfied and be fulfilled by God. And so what do we obey? Obey what? Let's read Colossians 3 again. It says, children, be obedient to your parents in all things. For this is well-pleasing to the Lord. 
If you're like me, you're pretty good at obeying when it's easy. Hey, will you please go get some cake? Yes, I will go get some cake. Will you go do this? Things that are fun, things that come easy to me. But it is all things that we train up our children in the ways they should go. We call them to obey when they want to and when they don't want to. But in all things, this, this life that is it's teaching them a life of surrenderance and submission. Because if you're like me, there's times when your feelings and your thoughts have gotten you further than you wanted to go, right? And cost you more than you wanted to pay. And, and the ramifications, the consequences of those sins are deeper than you thought would ever happen. And so this life of obedience is a life of obedience in all things. And it says, the next set of verses is to honor your father and your mother, that you are called, that the children, our children are called to honor our father and mother, which is the first command with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you will live long on the earth. Now, this word of honor, it's, it's a word that, that demonstrates or, or talks about like a, a weight. It implies acknowledging the weight of something. When we honor our parents, we're, we're acknowledging the weight of their authority, the weight of their power, the weight of their, their presence or their respect. Genesis 4.29 uh, give, gives a picture of this, of Joseph, as he has been separated from his father for some time and, and leading there in, in, in Egypt. And they are reuniting for, after many years apart. And it says in 46 of Genesis 46, verse 29, it says, and Joseph prepared his chariot, and he went up to Goshen to meet with his father Israel. And as soon as he appeared to him, Joseph threw himself on his neck, and he wept on his neck for a long time. He had this intimate moment that the weight of the presence of his father, a reuniting of his father, this weight of just being near, that he wept. And it caused him to cling to his father and to be there for a long time, an intimate moment with his dad. Or in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 19, it says, So Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak with him on behalf of Adonijah. And the king rose to meet her, and he bowed down to her. And then he sat her on his throne and had a seat brought to the king's mother. She sat at his right. This 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 look of reverence, of respect, of honor, of dignity, of, of understanding the weight and the presence of their parents. This, this honor that we are called to honor our parents. And maybe the greatest example that we see of that is, is the example of Christ himself. When we see that beautiful language of, of, of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and God the Father, and the intimate moments... And there was, there was a, a weight that he understood, a reverence and a holiness, a, a, a weight that, was, uh, that he knew about the Father. And, and, and regularly, he would get alone and be with the Father and cling to the Father. But he also submitted to the Father. We, we see that in, in the garden, right? Any other way. If there's any other way, let's choose that. But nevertheless, not my will be done, Jesus says, but God, the Father, your will be done. I will obey you. And Philippians gives the beautiful picture in chapter two, right? Of a life that even though he was equal with God, he didn't grasp that equality, but he humbled himself and he was obedient to the Father, obedient to death of the cross. 
to obey the Father, bring glory to the Father. And so we see the beautiful and the perfect picture of what it looks like to honor and to obey our parents as we look to the cross, as we look to Christ himself and all that he did, but also remembering his ministry. When we're speaking about this, we're speaking about the weight of honoring. There's a weight, right? there's, There's this privilege that we have as parents. There's a weight that we have as parents over our children as the authority. And my question is to you today, how are you leveraging that weight over your children? How are you using that weight in the life of your children? How are we teaching them to obey and to honor, to respect and to love? It says, when the bonds of family life break up, when respect for parents fails, the community becomes sinful and will not live long. There's a pressing need for us as parents to teach our children to obey and to honor. But we see in verse four here, we see kind of like this gut check and this heart check for parents, where it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So this this warning not to provoke our children for anger, right? Not, Not to push their buttons, not, not to, 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 to nag at them or to cause them, right, to be angry and, and to sin. But, but this call for us to be tender with our children, to, to reflect the Father as he is patient and he is kind and he is long-suffering and he is gracious and so, so good to his children. And it's this look Right, that, that we, as we experience the weight of God the Father in our lives, that we properly leverage and display our weight and our authority in their lives as such. It's a reflection of the love of God that has been displayed through the Son that we've experienced and that we extend to our children but we must be careful that it doesn't become legalistic and that we misuse that, that authority or that weight to now have some harsh, cruel commands and be the judge or the authoritarian, the dictator of our home, but a servant, a gracious, loving, kind father that tenderly cares for our children. And there's also a warning that we need to make sure that we understand is that we never want to lose the affections of our children. Never want to lose the heart affection of our children, the the emotional connection with our children. And it's that balance of truth and of grace. We, 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 We continually need to pursue our children. As they push us away, that's a sign that says, I want you to pursue me. 
When, they, when they're trying to figure out who they are and they're going through their teen years or tween years and, and they're pushing away, it's a call for us to pursue, to run after them, to, to keep their heart's affections near, to keep and to draw near to them. Because it's, they're getting glimpses of our Father in heaven. They're getting glimpses of the rescue story of our lives through salvation Right? That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. On our worst of days, he was doing something amazing for us. And he was pursuing us. And we get to display that in the lives of our families. And it is, it is your family, you parents, you fathers are the number one disciple makers of your family, of your children. You were called to, to disciple them, to bring them up, and then bring them up in two ways, in the discipline, in discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. And more is caught than taught. And so that discipline that we are teaching our children must be first taught to us and lived out. They need to catch us in the quiet moments where we are pursuing the Lord. They need to catch us often in the word of God, praying out to God, worshiping God, making much of Christ, making much of our Savior in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They must catch that often. And then in the instruction of the Lord, they want to see this faith. They're watching us to see, is this faith really what it's all cracked up to be? This generation today wants the real, the raw. They're not looking for the programs, but they're looking for the real thing. And I wonder, when they see you, do they see Jesus? Do they see a heart that is stirred with affection to the Father? Because they understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do they, undersee, do they see and understand the goodness of our God when they see us worshiping? Do they see something different in you than they do the rest of this world? And if they don't, they don't want it. But they want the real. And if resurrected Jesus, if you've encountered him, right, maybe you've become dormant in your walk with Christ. And that's the first thing is that you need to repent and you've allowed this faith and this fire to just go out. But if Jesus is real and he resides in you, there ought to be something attractive and beautiful, right? There ought to be a desire. And that desire is contagious. It's consuming. That, that, that relationship with God, when we taste and see the goodness of our God, man, it is beautiful. And our children are looking to us. And they're watching us. And they're questioning and they're reasoning, is this Jesus real? And this world is doing the same thing. Second Timothy 3.16, all scripture, 
All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching and for reproof and for correction and for the training in righteousness. And so how do we do this? What do we do? We walk through the scriptures. And as we walk through the scriptures, we bring our children along. And as the word of God is preached and we allow it to take residence in our heart and we apply it and we live it out and we take it for for fuel and for nurturement and for, for food for our soul, then we share that. We share that with our children. We display that and we walk it out in example to them. Our children are growing. Our children are gaining knowledge. Their brains are developing. They're becoming uh, older and wiser and they're gaining wisdom from one or two places. They're going to be wiser. They're going to be uh, growing in those ways. And we can be passive and allow them to be nurtured and fed and fueled and taught by this world. Or we can intentionally, intentionally walk them through the scriptures and let them see Jesus. Let them see Jesus in your life. Let let Jesus be displayed. Let them see you undone in worship, freely worshiping your God. Praising him. They see you undone at the ball games, right? I've seen some of y'all undone at the ball games, amen? Man, how much more should we be undone in the presence of God, in worship to God? Singing and shouting and dancing praises. I said dancing, yes. Dancing praises to God. If I'm going to be done, undone anywhere, I want that to be in the presence of my God. And that's the safest place, guys, that we can be undone, to be vulnerable, to be broken, to just render our hearts in worship, in repentance, in adoration for how good, good, good of a God that we serve, how good of a Savior that we have, how good he is. And so what are we teaching as our children are watching us, as our children are, are examining our lives? What do they see? Bonhoeffer said, it is from God that parents receive their children, and it is to God that they, in turn, ought to lead them. Our roles as a parent's our role as parents and, and, and as fathers is our family, that we lead them to Christ. We lead them to the throne room of grace. It's my desire as a father that my children will one day walk over me, use me as a bridge, use me as a stepping stone, and be face to face with their Lord and Savior. I can't give them that. I can't give them eternal security. I can't give them eternal hope. Not on my own. But God can. And how are we leading our children in that way? How are, what are we doing? How are we being intentional? How are we leveraging the weight that we have? And some of you maybe, maybe don't have children. And so, yes, it starts with a nuclear family, but, but we are part of a bigger family. And so we all have a role as this church, as this family, that we continue to help, to love, to edify, to build each other up, to open up our lives and our homes, to teach others and instruct them in the ways of the Lord. 
And so whether that's in kingdom kids or, or whether that's in student worship or on Sunday school or, or opening up your home for a, a, a ladies brunch that you lovingly bring in people of this generation, of the next generation that you bring in and you do life with one another so they can see Jesus and experience Jesus in new ways. I found this, this beautiful little clip, and you don't have to play the music on it because I think it's in a different language anyways. But I thought it was so neat and so fitting for today. As the parents are called to disciple, to be an example to our children and to raise them up, take a look at this, this short little clip. picture of, of the fruit of, of, of the love and the affection of a father raising up the son, leading by example, right? Meeting needs of those around him, like sacrificially putting pride and self aside, spending time with, I mean, and yes, it was a social media experience, experiment, but I mean, how, what are our, our, our children, what are we teaching them? And it's our, it's our desire as a church, it's, it's, it's God's design as the family that we raise up and we train our children in the ways that they should go. But the reality is it's sacrificial and it's costly. The reality is, is that this high calling of parenting in such a way to be obedient to the parents and, and, and to honor our father and our mother in the ways that they should go according to the Lord, in the Lord, of God, of the scriptures is costly. It's, it's sacrificial. It costs time and effort and energy. And the reality is this way of living, right, is the small gate or the narrow way of living. It's a narrow gate and it's a narrow path. And it's an uphill climb. It doesn't come easy nor naturally, but it goes against our selfish desires Right? And it's teaching selflessness. And it's right in the middle of the ways of this world, the easy life of easy goism, of, of the ways of this world, and the desires of our flesh. And it's in the opposite road. So while the wide and the broad path is downhill and is easy and is wide, right in the middle of that path is the narrow way. It's the narrow gate, and it's uphill. It's costly, it's painful, it's sacrificial, but it's worth it. Hebrews 12 says, and you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to, the son, to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, 
nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure, and and God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, and it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it afterward, it yields peaceful fruit of righteousness. It's painful. It, does, we, it goes against our sin nature. It goes against our nature as sinners, right? It goes against those things, and it, it's, it's painful. The correction, and I would beg to say it's painful for the child and for the parent. But as the fruit is produced, the holiness, the righteousness of God is displayed. And it's worth it. The rewards are eternal. The gifts and and the blessings are eternal. The life is eternal in the Lord, in his direction, in his discipline, in his correction and reproof of us as sinners. And it is for their good. It is for their joy and for their life. And so I wrote down some things that I have read in a book called The Intentional Father. And some things that are important for us, I believe, as we train our children to obey, and we train our children in the ways of the Lord and the ways to go that help us to train them to be more like Christ and less like this world. I think the first one here is, is life is hard. And that we need to raise our children to do hard things and to leave a, a life of ease for a life of difficulty, for for the high calling. That life is not about you. Amen? (laughs) Right? We are selfish people. But we need to be focused on others. We need to focus on the Lord and focused on others. That you're not in control. Right? How how can we add one one moment, one minute, one, one second to our life? Is there anything we can do? There's nothing. But we are not in control. So this life of surrenderance to Christ, surrenderance to God, to his authority, to his plans, to his promises. And then also this understanding that you're going to die. It's important that we understand that. We are not promised tomorrow. But we know who holds tomorrow. And the more that we can let go of the temporary things of this world, this temporal things of this world that don't satisfy us, 
the more that we can, we can learn, the more that we can cultivate that in the lives of our children and in our own very lives, and that we seek the things of heaven, the, the things of eternity, how much more satisfaction, how much more does he satisfy as these other things are growing dimmer and dimmer in the radiance and the glory and the goodness of our God grows brighter and brighter. The things that are everlasting, the things that we can't earn or deserve, right? The things of grace and God's goodness and how it frees us and gives us freedom in life, in life abundant. And so our role as parents, our design, right, is that we live a life that leads our children to the throne room of grace. We leverage the weight that we have as, of our children as, as the heroes of their life to lead them to the hero of our life. And whoever is on the throne of our life, whoever holds most weight in your life, that's who you will lead to your children. What holds most weight in your life? That's what you will lead. That's who you will lead to your children. And so I wonder, who, who is on the throne room of your heart? Who's on the throne of your heart? What holds most weight in your life? Is it Christ or is it something else? It's my heart that if it's not Christ, that today you would surrender your life to Christ. Surrender your life to Christ and that he would be seated at the throne of your heart and hold the greatest weight of your life and stir the affections of your heart and consume your mind, your heart, your body, your soul and that your children and their children and your neighbors and your families and your coworkers would see the radiance of Christ lived out in and through you. And if you are, if you are a follower of Christ, if you have surrendered your life to Christ, never allow, never allow the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never allow the story of your testimony, the day that, that Jesus intersected your life and gave you life and life abundantly. Never let that grow old. Always preach the cross. Stay humble. Stay excited. Stay hungry. And allow Christ to live his life in and through you. Surrender daily, carry your cross, and follow him. And lead your children and their children to Christ. Because he's worth it. Amen? Amen? He is worth it. And at this time, I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to ask the band to come up, and we're going to go into a time of invitation. And as you respond, I don't want you to respond to me or anything that I've said, but I want you to respond to the Lord. Where are you right now? Where does the Lord have you? Where are the heart, your heart's affection? And I pray that you respond to God and allow God to live and to work and to do a mighty work in and through your life. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your word and your truth, God. I thank you that you have given us a helper in the Holy Spirit, God, to live out these commands because it is hard.
And we are selfish. But God, you have called us to live a life of surrenderance and obedience to you. So God, I pray, Lord, as we respond, that we would respond to you and you alone. I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for all that you do in my life and what you have given to me. Lord, I pray that I would decrease and you increase. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand.